Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This week, we're celebrating Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pastor Mike will be teaching from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 20. Thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. I want to tell you, there's a lot of religions in the world that, um, that make claims about, about truth devoted followers, and, and there are other philosophies and, and, and countless um, you know, ideas, you know, where they have all these, inherit, uh, these followers, and, and again, all of them make these claims about having ultimate truth, truth about life and about how we succeed in life. Every once in a while, I'm asked by those who come from a different religion or maybe by someone who's a skeptic about religion in general, you know, how can you say that Christianity is the truth? How can you make a claim that not only is it true, but therefore it's true as opposed to the other religions, meaning that they're not, they're not true? Now, I could make a lot of arguments about why I believe in the truthfulness of, of Christianity. Um, you know, we're not going to get into that in great detail today, but if you ever want to talk, I would love to, to talk with you. But out of all the arguments that I could give, the one that really stands out, the one that, that more than anything else makes a statement about why Christianity is so unique, what it makes it so different from all these different philosophies, all these different religions, the thing that forever proves the truthfulness and the power of its message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when you think about all the other religions, they also had founders. So you had Muhammad, who's the founder of Islam, but he is buried in a mosque in, in, a, in Medina. His bones and his body are still there. You think of Joseph Smith, and he was the founder of Mormonism. Well, he's buried in a grave in Nahu, Illinois. His body and his bones are still there. Confucius was seen as a great spiritual leader, but he's buried in a tomb in eastern China. His bones and his body are still there. Or we can go to political philosophy and Karl Marx, who started the whole philosophy of communism. Well, he's buried in London. His body and bones are still there. Or we can look at, at the philosophers and, and scientists of our day, Darwinism and, and his whole teaching with, with evolution. Well, he's buried in Westminster, England, and, and his body and bones are still there. Or we could go to other religions, Buddha, and, and, and all his wisdom and all the people that follow him well, he's actually buried in eight different places because when he, was, was, when he died, they cremated him and they spread his ashes in eight different locations. They're all still there. Now, the truth that we celebrate on Easter, that we celebrate today, is that Jesus Christ, the founder of our Christian faith, is not in any tomb. He's not in any grave. He's not in a, under an altar. His, his remains aren't sprinkled in different locations. No, Jesus Christ is alive not only spiritually, but he physically rose again from the grave. He ascended into heaven. When he ascended into heaven, he took his body with him. That it's teaching that, you know, the Bible teaches that when we talk about Christianity, that the whole idea of the resurrection is, is a foundational truth. It's, it's not just the theory of it, but the historical fact that it actually happened. You see, the claim that Jesus rose from the grave isn't just a piece of, of religious mythology. It isn't just a spiritual claim, it's a historical fact. And from the earliest days of the church, the church affirmed that, that the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, was at its foundation. So much so that when you think about the early church, there were many people that from its very beginning were trying to destroy the early church. All they had to do is they had to go find the bones of Jesus, turn up the body, and suddenly the whole church you know, falls apart. But no one could do it. 
because his body wasn't there. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We read a, a couple verses a few minutes ago, but if we go back early in the chapter, Paul talks about how important this is. And he says, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. And what was the thing that was that foundational truth that is of first importance to our faith? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. He says, this is the heart of the Christian message. We were sinners separated from God by our sins. We couldn't fix that. Religion is all about how we try to fix it, how we try to, in a sense, work our way towards God, keeping the right rules, doing the right things, somehow pleasing God. And he said, no, the Christian message isn't about religion. It's actually turning its religion on its head. It's not about what we do to work our way towards God. It's about God coming to us, God making a way for us to know him something that we could never do on our own. The foundation of that Christian message, the fact that Jesus died for our sins, what does it say in accordance to scriptures? Meaning that this was the whole Old Testament, all of the Bible is pointing towards Jesus so that when Jesus died on the cross, it was a fulfillment of everything that had been taught. That he died, he was buried in a grave, meaning that it wasn't just a spiritual death, it was something that it was a real death, that he was put into a grave and then he was raised again on the third day, and his resurrection was every bit as real as was his death. Now look what he says next. He continues that he's saying, you know, it's not about the idea of the resurrection, but it's about the historical fact that this happens. He roots it in history. He said, and then on, he appeared to Cephas, and then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And what he says is that here's the evidence. It's not just saying this is a claim. There's evidence behind this. He appeared to Peter and the 12 and then he appeared to 500 at one time and many others after that. These are eyewitnesses. In a court of law, you could have two people give testimony to establish the truthfulness of something. Here you have well over 500 people. And, and Paul is writing this some 20 years after the events, and he's saying most of these people are still alive. Most of these people he could go talk to, and they're going to continue to affirm these truths. You can go ask them. See, Paul is saying the empty tomb is vital to our faith. And why? Because it proves the truthfulness of the claims of Jesus. Oh, well, you have other religious leaders, the ones that we mentioned before, that make claims that their religion, their ideas are true. But how do we know that Jesus' message is true? Well, he, he forever, forever established that. You see, he proved his, his power. He proved his claims by raising from the dead. If he can defeat sin and death, should we have any reason to question anything else that he says? Not only does it prove the truthfulness of the Christian faith, but it also says something about its power, this transformative power of the resurrection. You know, I, I realize that there are many non-Christians, you know, people who are maybe believers in different faiths or people who are, again, skeptical that would look at you know, what we're doing here today and saying, you know, you guys, well, you know, you're just kind of believing a story, and, and, um, and I understand that. Again, we can argue about the truthfulness of it. I'd love to be able to, to, to talk with you about that. You know, what I find really discouraging is that there are meeting today, not only in, the, in our country, but throughout the world. There are people who claim to be Christians, there are churches that claim to be Christian churches that are meeting this morning on Easter Sunday, celebrating 
Easter as a spiritual idea, saying, well, we don't really believe that it happened actually in history. It's more this, you know, the spiritual idea. And, it, and, my, and what concerns me is it's not just that they deny the historicity of the actual event of the resurrection, but they're claiming that it really isn't that important. They're claiming that they can be a Christian church, celebrate the meaning of Easter, all the while denying the very event that, that defines what Easter is. It's the heart of not only Easter, again, it's the heart of our Christian faith. Let me give you a couple of examples from some of the messages of some of these liberal churches that, you know, that they've given these past years. One pastor taught it this way. He said, the story of the resurrection isn't a historical fact, but a spiritual truth. It symbolizes for all of us that no matter the level of pain you experience, there's a chance to rise again. Just believe in yourself. Again, that's just, it's empty. There's nothing to it. Another church taught this about the meaning of Easter. He said, they said, rebirth is the main theme, not only behind Christianity, but other religions that have celebrated the resurrection mythology. The symbolic nature of Easter is the process of dying to the old self and being reborn in a spiritual sense. Beyond the religious dogma lies a deeper meaning that can be utilized for anyone inclined to live a more fulfilling life. Easter can be a powerful metaphor, one that helps us to re-examine our current state of being and to decide how we need to evolve. It can be a great day, similar to New Year's, to become motivated to change what needs to be changed and letting go of what needs to be letting go. I've got to stop a second and made an editorial comment. What a, what a bunch of garbage. <laughs> It's, you know, and, and, and I'm being nice. I would like to say more, but I can't. I'd get in trouble as a pastor. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just terrible. What, what this, this is garbage. You look at that and you say, it's a story like New Year, motivating us what needs to be changed, how to change ourselves. I mean, if that's all that Easter is, we're in a lot of trouble. You know, just go home. There's, there's no hope. There's no meaning. Okay, it's mid-April. You know, we're a third of the way through the year. They compare it to, to New Year's. Okay, how many of you have kept the New Year's resolutions that you made this year? How many of you remember the New Year's resolutions that you may have made this year? I mean, the fact is, you know, many of us don't even make them anymore because we know that we never keep them. And so here you have this person saying it's, an easy, it's, a, it's a story, a powerful metaphor that's, that's like New Year's. New, you know, can motivate us to change. Well, how well have you changed this past year? How is that working for you? If it's all about somehow being motivated so that you can work harder and do it on yourself, man, that's discouraging. I don't know about you. I know myself that I'm really lousy at changing myself. It doesn't work. And if all I have is a metaphor that kind of motivates me to try harder, man, I'm, I'm in trouble. But Paul's point is that Easter isn't just a story. It's not just a claim of some spiritual truth. It's an actual historical event. It's a historical event that shouldn't only shape our spiritual ideas of what we do in church on a Sunday, but it should literally shape our understanding of ultimate reality, impact every aspect of our lives. Why? Because at the, at the cross and at the empty tomb, Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death. He broke the power that it would hold over us. I mean, think of it this way. If God had the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, if he has the power to raise someone from the dead, then what problem do you have that's too much for God? 
What crisis do you have that God's unable to deal with? What concern, what need, what's, what do you struggle with that God's unable to give you victory over? My friends, when we come together this morning, we're not just talking about an event that happened 2,000 years ago and celebrate this event sometime in history. We're talking about historical fact that communicates ultimate meaning, and that meaning echoes its truthfulness all the way to today and change lives. If we understand it, that's what it is. Because at the cross, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. In his resurrection, he broke its power forever so that all who believe in him can know that power in our lives, that life-transforming power through Jesus Christ. Now, we might ask, you know, some of these churches, well, it doesn't really matter, and here's what it... No, it does matter, and that's what Paul is getting into in the passage that we read a few minutes ago. In fact, let's slow down and let's go back through that because what you're going to see is that Paul's answering this question, does it matter? And, and he says, well, some of you are saying it doesn't really matter, and, and you know, so if Jesus didn't rise. And, and each time he said, if he didn't, then this is the truth. This is the consequence. This is the result. But each time he comes back and there's an implied, but since he did rise, the opposite is true. The first of those six is, is in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then even our preaching is in vain. So Paul's speaking as one who, you know, as, as one of the apostles, he said, everything that I've said is vain, it's useless. But, but because Jesus has risen, it's not vain, but it's life, life, life transforming. Why? Because if Jesus is still dead, then everything that Jesus taught is worthless. Why? Because he's just a man that made claims. He's, he's just another spiritual leader. There's nothing unique. There's nothing special about him. And not only that, but everything that, that, that we have said, everything that you know, the apostles said, it's all vain. It's worthless. It's meaningless. You know, it's interesting. Some people will deny that Jesus rose from the dead, but at the same time then look and say, but the Bible is this great book of moral truth, and we should study it. And, and that's what some of these churches, these liberal churches, are doing. I want the Bible without the historical fact of the resurrection. But here's what we've got to realize, what Paul is saying. If the resurrection didn't happen, then you need to realize all the people who wrote the Bible were all liars. You know, they were all, they were telling the truth, they were all, you know, telling us something that they knew to be a lie. And so if, if everything was based on a lie, then all the preaching, everything written in the Bible is, is vain, it's worthless. We should, you know, go out and destroy it. But on the other hand, we realize that, no, Jesus did rise from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, it's not only that their testimony about his resurrection is true, but what is said in the Bible, everything is said is true. It's the ultimate truth. It's life-transforming truth. It's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter uh, 1. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's that kind of power. It's not a story about how we can somehow change our life and be better at keeping New Year's resolutions. It's an ultimate truth about how God changes our life, how God comes and works his power to do things that we could never do on our own. And that's hope, that's power, that's meaning that, that we hold on to. We continues, it's not a way that the preaching would be in vain, but he says, and continues in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is in vain. And he says, you know, you know, your faith is in vain. The, the opposite is true. If he did rise from the dead, that our faith is, it isn't empty, but it's instead, you know, it's invaluable. It's incredible worth. Why? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, 
Our faith is worthless. Christianity is worthless. It's good for nothing. It accomplishes nothing. It offers no hope. It offers, you know, no help. Why? Because the whole Christian message is that Jesus Christ was God, God eternal, that came, came to, you know, to the earth in human form to live a sinless life and then die on the cross in our place, to take upon himself our sin, to die as a substitute in our behalf. And then three days later, he rose again. And in doing so, he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, he conquered death. And in that, he showed that, you know, that, that he had ultimate victory. But the fact is, is that if he's still dead, that's all worthless. Why? Because he isn't God. It isn't, you know, it isn't all true. If he didn't defeat sin and death, then there is no hope because there's nothing greater than these things. Christianity is a waste of time. But here's what we need to realize. He did rise from the dead. And because he did rise from the dead, then we've got to realize that the same power that God worked in raising Jesus from the dead, as we sang just a few moments ago, that same power is, is at work and available to each one of us, bringing into our life, life out of things that were dead. The power to redeem marriages that were dead. The power to free people from addictions. The power to bring hope and, and, and healing through disease or through even death. See, this is what Paul taught in, first, in Ephesians chapter 1. We've been looking at the Ephesians on Sunday mornings. Look what he says in Ephesians 1.19. And what is in, uh, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. This power that is in us who believe. This is ours according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That is the power that is available to us. That's the power that God wants to work in your life and in my life. Again, my friends, it's not about our ability to change ourselves. It's about God's ability to do miracles, God's ability to call us out of the grave. Because if he can raise Jesus from the dead, what is there in our life that he can't, that he can't fix, that he can't heal? Even as a pastor, I do this because I know this to be true. Every week I see and hear stories about how this is true. God's work at peop in people's lives. And if it wasn't, and what if every time I prayed, nothing happened? What if every time people, you know, I read the Bible, it change your life, and they say, oh, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't change. You know, what if, if you know, people came and, and we just became stranger and became religious kooks and, you know, and, and it made no difference? That's not what happens. No, what happens is that people get involved in the church, people grow in the relationship with Christ, and you know because so many of you, this is your story, God changes you as a result of it. That we're, that we're different people, that we're better husbands, we're better wives, we're better parents, we're better workers, we're better in every aspect. And now somebody would say, well, that's true most of the time. Well, okay, it's true 98% of the time. We got 2%, well, we got to pray for them. Now, you know, now, what I mean by that, we can joke about that, but here's the idea. You might think, but I know this person that claims to be a Christian and they don't live that. They don't. Well, there are some people that claim the name, but if their life isn't being changed, then I would say, okay, do they really have the reality? And so don't take the exceptional person that you've maybe seen that, that, that really doesn't live the life. You know, don't use them as an excuse to reject the whole thing. Again, some people can maybe make the claim, maybe use the talk, but but their life shows that they really aren't being changed. But that's also the exception. The fact is that even in our experience, most of you would say the vast majority of people that really take their serious faith seriously were changed for the better because of that. In every way, it heals marriages, it restores relationships, it, it, it breaks destructive addictions. 
And if you go to any church, and we've heard this periodically, you know, we have people that will get up and share their stories and share their testimonies of how, you know, this is where I was, and this is how God has brought me through this. This is how God is changing my life. That's resurrection power. My friends, that's available to each one of us. That's the power of the resurrection. He continues, this third result in verse 15. For if we are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did, if he did not raise, it is true that the dead are not, not raised. And so he continues on. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then the apostles were all liars. But because he did raise from the grave, they're not liars, they're God's spokesmen. See, if, if it didn't happen, the, the apostles, their authority that they claimed from the very beginning is that they were people that had witnessed the resurrected Jesus Christ. That was, that was the core of their, their, you know, that's what Paul is saying. This is what I pass on from first, you know, first importance. This is what I heard in the very beginning of my faith. This is the very basis of, of the whole thing. Now, if they were liars, why would they make up that lie? Some people say, well, they wanted to build a religion. They wanted a following Okay, well, if you know anything about church history, what happened? They built a religion, and from the onset, they were persecuted. They were ultimately not only persecuted, but all but one were ultimately put to death for their faith. All but one, the apostle John, were literally you know, uh, executed for their faith. And John, was, he died in exile. And, and you look at that and you say, okay, why would someone die for a story that they know to be a lie? Now, do people die for a lie? Yeah, all the time but they die for something they believe to be true. It might be a lie, but they believe it to be true. These were people that knew. And if they knew that Jesus didn't raise from the dead, that they hadn't seen him, you know, at least one of them is going to sit there and say, I'm going to save my life. I'm going to turn my back because this isn't helping me. No, they died for this because they knew it to be true. And therefore, it not only wasn't a lie, but they were speaking ultimate meaning, ultimate truth, Absolute truth that is true for all times, for all people that we are to build our lives upon because they're speaking God's truth. He continues the next result in verses 16 and 17. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And here's what he's saying is if Christ is dead, it's still dead, then the power of sin still controls us. But since he's raised, we know that we're forgiven, we're free. Because if Jesus is still dead, there's no way for our sins to be forgiven. Then all we can do is try to forgive ourselves. Or, but ultimately, we have this guilt that has burdened us down. And there's no basis for forgiveness. You can go to a counselor, try to deal with it, but ultimately, there's no freedom from that. Or many of us that have known that there have been things that we've lived in our life in the past that, you know, things that have controlled us, sins that we couldn't get out, you know, we're almost addicted to them, and we try to gain freedom, and we haven't been able to gain freedom. We don't have power to do that. And if Jesus didn't rise again from the grave, then the fact is, there is no hope. We're, we're sinners. We're stuck in that state. There's no power to overcome sin and its effect in our lives. But because Jesus did rise from the grave, because that's what happened, then all who believe in Jesus can be forgiven. Because of his death and resurrection, you can be freed from the power of sin. And there are so many, again, that are here that will share stories about, man, this, this burdened me for, you know, for decades, and, and I didn't know how to deal with it, and it beat me down. And suddenly, I've learned to bring it before Christ, and before Christ, I learned to bind freedom. Are there others that would come and say, you know, I've been controlled by these things in the past? 
many through addictions. I mean, I'm thankful even for our, you know, group of Galvanized on, on Thursday night where you have people and but many others that have shared, these are things that controlled me, things that I were addicted by, things that I couldn't get past. And because of Jesus, I, I couldn't do it on my own, but because of the power of Jesus, I surrendered it to him. And as I've learned to do him, this, this Jesus that rose from the grave, he had the power to give me victory even over these sins. See, this is the truth that Paul talks about in Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're condemned. We're held under that power apart from Christ. But in Christ, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, uh, Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We have freedom. Many of you, that's your story. Now, again, there may be some that you're still in the midst of, and I'm buried by the guilt, and I'm in the midst of that struggle. I've got this thing that I just don't want to admit, but the fact is, is I can't overcome this addiction. I can't, over, I can't get a victory. I continue to do things that are destructive to life, and I don't know how to gain victory. My friends, I want to give you an invitation here of just realizing that this is not only about what happened 2,000 years ago, it's an invitation of saying, now will you accept this gift? Will you embrace this power? Will you ask God's power to come in your life? Because that's the only thing that will give you the freedom from these things. And, it, and it's there if you take it. Not only that, he continues the consequence in verse 17 and 18. Then who has also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, and if Christ we have no uh, hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And basically saying, without the resurrection, life is meaningless because there's nothing beyond this life. We die and that's it. But because there's resurrection, there's eternal hope and there's eternal meaning. See, apart from that, you know, there's, you know we, we live and it's all about whoever gets the most toys wins. We, you know, we try to somehow squeeze whatever meaning out of our life. And, and in the midst of that, we're always working against the reality of death. Because the fact is, we're all dying. We're all falling apart. We work against it. You know, we try to eat healthy, go to the doctor, exercise. And, but the fact of the matter is just maybe slowing things down a little bit. And we know that. I, I know that. I'm, I joke even with my family. I feel like I'm the velveteen rabbit. You know, my, you know, my, my fur, fur is all falling out. My stitches are coming loose. I'm an, and and, and this, this is the effect of time. And I pray that God gives me more years, but I know the stats. You know, hundred out of every hundred people eventually die. That's the reality. And the fact is, is that could be something that could, you know, because it's going to defeat us, it could terrify us. And, and without resurrection, life is meaningless. It's hopeless. But because Jesus Christ has risen, there is eternal life and there is eternal hope and meaning in life beyond that. It's not all about even trying to squeeze it out of what I can get in the here and now. It's realizing that, that I, I live for an eternal purpose, an eternal value, and even, even if I don't get everything in this life, the fact is one day I get heaven. I don't need everything in the here and now because I know that the world that I was created for, that's my future. And Jesus did rise from the dead. He's the first fruits of, of uh, those who have fallen asleep, meaning what happened to him is going to happen to us. And he continues, lastly, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all pity to most, or people most to be pitied. He's saying, you know, if he didn't really rise from the dead, then we're to be pitied. Why? Because we're spending this time talking about this guy who's dead being able to give us eternal life. We're all, you know, talking about something that isn't true. 
He says, no, but because he has been risen. We're not pitied as people who are deceived, but we're people that should be followed as enlightened because we have the truth. Paul had the truth. We have the truth. Jesus rose from the dead. Our faith is rooted in the most important, most transformative event in human history. It changes lives. But just in closing, let me challenge you. See, the issue for each one of us this morning isn't just knowing that this happened. It's not only knowing about the resurrection, but it's moving from our knowledge about the resurrection to knowing the risen Lord, to making it personal, to realize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a personal relationship with him where we not only talk about what happened, but where we come to him and we say, God, I agree with you. I need that. I can't fix my life. I don't, I don't want something that's a, like a, you know, a, a you know, uh, New Year's Day that just puts me a little more guilty on what do I need to change? And I can't do that. God, I don't bring my ability, I bring my need. And I bring my need before the Lord Almighty, the God who came and died on the cross for my sins, who showed that he could defeat sin and death and, the, and being risen from the grave. And some people would say, but I don't really want to turn my life over to Jesus. I want to control, I want to, I want to maintain my life. I'm afraid of what I might lose. But look at even what Jesus says about that in John 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it fully, the fullness. Not only eternal life, but even if you understand this, it helps us unlock the secrets of life even in the here and now. He's saying that Satan is telling us, no, control your life, control it, and, but it's not working. And deep down, if we're honest, we kind of know that. We're, we're, it's, a, it's a thief that's ripping us off, that's taking away the thing that we most desperately need. And he says, you know, kick the thief out. Realize that I've come. If you seek after me, if you turn your life over on me, I've come to give you life. The abundant life, the rich life that you were created for. My friends, I don't know, you know, if you've walked in this morning, if what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, what pain, what hurt, what what guilt, what, what addictions, whatever it would be. If you're, saying, if you're honest, I can't do this. I can't, I can't defeat it. It's not about try harder, feeling guilty. It's about God's invitation of saying, do you understand what it means that Jesus came and died on the cross, that he rose from the grave? And then he said, okay, trust me. Put your trust in me. Ask for, for my forgiveness. Let, let my power come in you. Let my forgiveness come in you. Let it flow. Let it accomplish the thing in your life that you could never accomplish on your own. And you could reach out to him where you're at. After the service, I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to talk and pray with you more about that if you, if you so choose. There are others that you understand what that means. And this Easter is this time that we remember, this time that we have surrendered that. And we come together and we celebrate this wonderful truth that I have this freedom. I know what this means. This is why we get so excited about it, because we know that this is true. And we know the consequences of it are life transforming. We're going to close in prayer, and then we're going to close in song, a song of celebration. But even in this closing song, let me, you know, let me ask you, where are you at? Have you accepted that? Is, that, is this your reality? If it's not... God invites you to make it so this morning. If it, is, if it is, you know, let's even celebrate this last song with, with a statement of truth, a celebration of how this changes our lives. And that is it for this week's message. If you'd like to get in touch, send us a text to 330-644-6121. 
You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send us a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.